Hi, my name is Sarah Woods with Big Game Officials from St. Louis, Missouri, calling the game for 12 years. In podcast number 67, Paul interviews former WNBA champion Stacy Thomas. Stacy had a wonderful career at Michigan and went on to have a six-year WNBA career highlighted by a championship in 2003 with the Detroit Shock. Stacy is also a 12th year official who is currently working at the Division II level in Michigan on the women's side. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks for listening. And be sure to reach out with any referee questions you might have. Serve the game. Hi, this is former WNBA player and current college basketball official, Stacy Thomas. Thank you for listening to the Crown Refs podcast. Serve the game. You are listening to the Crown Refs podcast, the audio experience for basketball official officials. Serve the game. Stacey, I just wanted to say congratulations on having a six-year WNBA career. That's amazing, and it's even more amazing to me, and that's why I wanted to have you on, is you're also a referee, college official. You've worked at the Division II and Division III level. You've officiated a high school state championship game, and before we get into your officiating, just take me through your days as a young hooper. Where'd you grow up? Talk to me about your relationship with basketball. Yes, so I'm a I'm just a kid from Flint, Flint, Michigan, born and raised. Um, as a as a youngster, I actually uh, I have an older brother, so a lot of times, you know, when I was younger, I would try to hang with him, hang with his his fellow uh, friends or whatnot. They were a lot older, a lot bigger, um, but I still felt like I had the skills and I was you know fearless, able to to try to hang with them. And, and that's where I actually developed um, a lot of my confidence and a lot of my skills um, as a younger uh, player growing up. Uh, just playing against boys, playing against older people, um, it really developed and helped my game. Um, so I went to high school at Flint Southwestern Academy. We did were the you, Did you just absolutely dominate high school? must have been fun for you. It was man. It was it was it was a blast. It's it's funny. I look back at times, you know, think back, and I'm just like, wow. You know, I look at my stat line and you know different things like that. I'm just like, man, I did all of that. Like, <laughs> you know, that was that was like so long ago. But can I get a um, stat line? Stat line, like for instance, a, a a typical game could easily be 25 points, 12 rebounds, eight steals. Six assists. I it, like, I got a quadruple double one one game. I know I had like ten steals, twelve rebounds. You know, double digits in in four different categories. So, sounds, I, sounds like a video game. A video, yes, yeah, <laughs> it does, it does. Yeah, I just I'm you know I've been I've been very blessed. Uh, you know, with the athletic ability and the skills, you know, that I've possessed and and developed over the years. Um, but like I said, yeah, just, you know, hanging around and, and, and putting in the work in gyms. Both of my parents were school teachers. Um, and my dad was also a coach. Um, he, he coached football and track and field. And I also was a two sport, um, athlete. I, you know, I ran track and field, ran cross country, and then I played basketball as well. Um, so all of those different aspects, um, helped me as well. You know, I stayed in the gym. I was considered a gym rat, um, you know, and, and putting in that extra time, the discipline um, or whatnot. When kids were usually out having a good time on a Saturday morning or whatnot, I was probably in the gym going through drill work, you know, doing individual workouts and stuff like that. But, you know, it all it all paid off, you know, and it led me to earning a scholarship at the University of Michigan. Um, where I went there from 1996 to 2000. Was that your goal to end up there? You know what? You know, I wanted to play Division I basketball, absolutely. Um, I didn't, at the time, of course, didn't know, you know, as a youngster where, you know, I would play and stuff like that. But as time, you know, 
continued on. You know, I started receiving a lot of letters, a lot of phone calls. I was getting a lot of looks. Um, and you know what? It's it's funny because I didn't play uh, AAU basketball. Some people look at me like I'm crazy, you know, these days. Like, you didn't play AAU basketball? I did not play a lick of AAU basketball. Um I tell I always tell people, you know, if you if you can play and you got the skills, you they will find you. <laughs> they will find you. Um, but so I was blessed and had the opportunity um, you know, to be seen by a lot of different colleges or whatnot. Michigan happened to be my first um visit, my first official visit that I took. Absolutely fell in love with the school, with the campus, with the girls, you know, that were already there, the coaching staff or whatnot. Um, and at that point, I kind of had my mind made up um, as to where I wanted to go. Um, it, it just it was fitting. My parents, distance wise, were able to come see all my games at the time. You know, I was interested in business. They had the number one business school in the nation. <laughs> and then um, as far as just the program, I wanted to be able to go to a program where I felt like I could have an impact um, immediately. So like all of those things fit, um, and it was just it was a perfect fit, really. How'd you do in college? I did very well in college. <laughs> you know, I broke uh, I broke several records. Um, you know, I was all American. You know, I was team captain, um, Big Ten. You know, first teams. I was Big Ten freshman of the year. You know, the accolades go on and on. Mm -hmm. I was um, selected. I made the USA junior national team uh my junior year um got to travel around the country um doing that during the summer um just overall like it was just a blessing i i my the record that i just um got broken i believe three years ago i had the big 10 actually the big 10 career steals record um and it lasted almost two decades before somebody somebody broke that one so that one was near and dear to me because I took a lot of pride in, in my defense. Um, um, but yeah, but I, you know, I set a lot of records and I was just inducted um, into the Michigan uh, hall of honor um, two or three weeks ago, actually. Yeah. November 15th was the date. Um, and I'm just the second uh, Wolverine women's basketball player to be inducted um, into the hall of honor. So I'm very proud of that. Uh, congratulations. I, I knew you had sounded familiar. I, I just remember your name back from that from that era. I was, you know, playing a little bit of college basketball at that time. But let me ask you this. When did you realize or think, hey, I might have a shot at being a WNBA player? Is it something that hit you in high school, in college, or you grew up with it? Um, it probably hit uh towards the end of probably high school going into um going into college um and of course you know as i you know got closer to you know graduating me being a, a junior and a senior in college um and the WNBA really just beginning because you know they had the ABA before that the women's professional league um so just being able to see it and envisioning and you know putting in the hard work and you know just my performance and everything, you know, producing, I really just thought like, wow, you know, if I can, if I can keep this up, if I can continue it, I may have an opportunity, you know, the, the right team, the right fit. I may just be, you know, perfect for that. So, you know, as time went on, that, that was my goal. Um, um, as, as a college athlete, student athlete is to just keep honing in and, and developing and prepare myself to be, you know, a professional athlete and the coaching staff, you know, my teammates and um, just the university played a big part in that and, you know, preparing me uh, for that next level. So I'm really appreciative of that as well. Yeah. So tell me about that next level. What was it like getting drafted and finally uh, realizing and, and, you know, hitting on your dream? Yeah, it was, I mean, it was awesome. My parents, you know, were there and um, my coaching staff and whatnot. And we actually, we were in the coach's office. So at that, back then, they didn't, they didn't televise. Um, now they do, of course. Um, hmm. But back then they didn't televise the WNBA draft, um, but it was online. It was like a live kind of like stream. You just kind of update it, uh, refresh it. And as the picks continue to go, you know, we would just, we were, 
basically sitting and waiting um, to see, you know, if my name will pop up and when it would pop up and whatnot. And when it did, it was just, you know, it was, it was very like satisfying because it's just like a culmination of like everything that was, you know, put in to me as a player, put into me with the university, you know, and everything like that. It just, it's like it all came to fruition. And, it, you know, it, it gave me the opportunity to play at the next level. Um, and I was grateful and honored. And I knew once, you know, my name was listed and, and the team that I was on, um, I knew, you know, now the work begins again, right? Because <laughs> mm-hmm. this is a whole new, you know, whole new experience, whole new level or whatnot. But, I, you know, I, I took, took it all in with the same attitude and the mentality, you know, like go there and work, you know, outwork people you know, beat people out of their positions, do what needs to be done, you know, in order to, to help the team um, and just work on, you know, work on my game. And ever since that point, when, when my name was called, um, that, that had been my focus to, you know, stay to, to make the team because a lot of people don't know, you know, even, even when you're drafted, you don't necessarily, um, it's not guaranteed, you know, that you, that you'll make the team. You have to go through training camp, you know, so. It's always a fight. It's always, you know, it's that competitiveness right, right. Um, that's there. But it's like I, like I said, I grew, I grew up um, in a very competitive um, household, and it, and it trickled down into that. Um, so I, it all, it all worked out, and we were very, very excited when that moment occurred. So you had a six-year career. You played with a couple different teams. Didn't you even win a championship? I did. I did. So I, I started off, I was drafted uh, with the Portland Fire, um, which is in Portland, Oregon. And I played there for three years and that franchise actually folded. So after three years, um, that that franchise folded. And then I ended up playing with uh, the Phoenix Mercury. Uh, and then about halfway through that season, that year, um, there was a trade and the trade ended up placing me back here at home with the Detroit shot and lo and behold um that was the team that I ended up winning the championship with that year that was in 2003 um so that was that was a a blessing as well um because um at the time Detroit the Detroit shock I think they went they were like almost in like last place and we we ended up moving all the way up to making the playoffs and winning the whole thing and if that's not a storybook ending, <laughs> I'm telling you, we were excited. All my, all my family members were there, coaches, former, you know, former teammates from high school. It was just awesome. Like it was, it was all an awesome feeling. Like all the hard work, all the grinding, all the you know, extra extra work just just paid off. And we had to fight nail and tooth in those finals because we were going up against um, the LA Sparks at the time. So we had, you know, Lisa Leslie and all of the greats and it it really, it came down to the wire, but it was, it was just an awesome to be in that arena and that environment and that, that experience. It was over 22,000 people at that finals game. Um, And it's just, it's a moment I'll never forget. I'll never forget it. That's amazing. That that must have been such a special time to share it with your teammates and your family, and to to do it just at the highest level like that. Um, must have been, you know, something that stays with you to this day. I'm sure. Oh, it does. People, and you know, it's like I walk around and people be like, "Where's your ring?" Everybody wants to see the ring because mm. I don't I don't wear it. <laughs> I just keep, I keep it in the box. But um, people ask all the time, and you know, I'm so like laid back and low key. That you know, if you don't know me, um, I'm not I'm not one to just start talking about myself or you know, running off my you know stats or my you know accomplishments and stuff like that. Most times, people have to pull it out of me <laughs> mm-hmm. or whatnot. But um, but yeah, like I, I always say, like one of these days, I'll 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 wear it around and and let and let people know because you know, right now the Detroit Shock. There's no remnant of them, uh, you know, even existing. Of course, the palace isn't um, isn't up right now. I think they're actually going to tear it down. 
Um, but even when you know the shock moved and stuff like that, there were no banners. There were there was nothing, you know, that showed that the Detroit Shock even existed. So unless you, you know, knew about the Detroit Shock or you know from that era and watching it, a lot of these kids today they just they just don't know. They wouldn't they wouldn't know about it, which is unfortunate. But who knows? Maybe maybe uh, the Pistons or somebody from the front office will want to bring bring the team back, and that would be something. Now, I know we spoke and you said you are still playing. You're still playing overseas? No, 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 no. I'm not. I'm, I'm done playing. Oh, you're done? I, I'm, just, I'm just officiating. Okay, so, yeah, let's get into that. Let's get into who inspired you to become an official. How did you get into taking the class? Tell me about your, your career as a ref. Yeah, so uh, kind of a funny story, but Patty Broderick. So when I was playing at the University of Michigan, still a student athlete, um, you know, from time to time, um, observers or even officials may come for like a preseason clinic and they'll speak, you know, to the to the different teams or whatnot about the new rules and, you know, the new changes, points of emphasis and stuff like that. And, you know, as a player, um, you know, I had no idea about refereeing. That wasn't even actually on my mind. But at the end, you know, of that preseason clinic, Patty Broderick, who was an official at the time, said this. She said, for those who are ever interested in official, you know, becoming an official, um, to really, to really uh, bog down and, and, and really think about it, because you can make a career out of it. He said, a lot of former players, they love former players, former athletes that are a part of the game to get into officiating. And I always remember that um, statement that she said. And when I was working as a um, director of basketball operations at Northwestern University, I dealt with a lot of the officials. I was their, you know, point of contact. You know, I took care of them during the games and stuff. And one um, official in particular said, basically said the same thing. He said, you should really get into officiating. I'm telling you, you know, you, I think you would really like it. You would enjoy it and whatnot. Again, my mind, because I was still actually playing at that time, my mind wasn't nowhere near officiating. But I always remembered those, you know, those statements um, as, a, as, a, 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 as a basketball player. And when I finished my professional career, I said, you know what? I'm going to <laughs> take the plunge and I'm just going to try it. What could it hurt, you know, to see I may like it, I may not, but at least give it a try. And sure enough, I tried, started off at, you know, Wee middle school level or whatnot. And I was like, yeah, you know, this is fun. You know, nothing, it wasn't too serious, you know, and stuff like that. But I, you know, I enjoyed it. And I was like, this doesn't even seem like work, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know. So I continued on and, you know, I, I continued to move up high school. And then, of course, college and whatnot. And I just, it's like, I just developed a passion for it. And it's, man, I love it. I, I talk to people about it all the time. Like, I absolutely love it. I could officiate every single day. It's like, I, I never would have thought that it would be like a dream job. But it is. Even in, in some people look at it because of course you know you're dealing with fans you're dealing with coaches you're dealing with you know all these outside factors or whatnot that can sometimes deter especially younger officials um but it's like i take it all in it's almost like being out there you know when i was playing you know just having that competitive aspect as far as an official you know striving for excellence striving for perfection you know striving to, to officiate that perfect game, you know, wanting to be your best. And um, that's what it's been for me. Like I get to run in into different people from my past, have these relationships with, you know, different coaches or whatnot. And then I'm a part of the game. I'm still running up and down the floor. I still take, you know, I consider to be an athlete. You got to keep up with some of these younger, you <laughs> some of these younger players. You know, we're getting older, and they're either the same age or younger. So, you know, um, it's a matter of you know staying in shape, 
um, putting in the work, you know, watching film, you know, all the different aspects of being a great official. Um, and I, I'm taking it head on. You know, I have goals in mind. Um, but just being a part of the game is wonderful. I've always, you know, once I finished playing professionally, I always wanted to do something that still allowed me to be a part of the game. And and this is it. It couldn't have been couldn't have been more perfect. I know it's it's serious and it's all you know business when we're on the floor, but I love you know love working with a great crew um, that we just we all get along and we you know we're out there working hard just as hard as the players um, and getting the job done, but having fun as well. Absolutely. Just want to stop it right here. You know, I like what she said about, I feel like I'm still an athlete out there. I think that's a great approach. And I think more of us officials need to take that approach because there's a lot that we can learn about the way the players approach the game. You know, like you got to have that competitive edge. And I know a lot of referees that are listening have played basketball at a high level, have gone through the training and the practice and putting up shots and trying to grow as part of a team. Well, there's a lot of those things that we learned growing up that we need to transfer over to the referee world as far as our preparation, watching films, studying the rule books, and always having conversations that are going to lead to us improving. Having that competitive edge every time you step on the court, trying to be great with that desire to want to be the best, to improve and be better than you were last game, getting better each possession. I mean, this is all a mental game. I'm out here to run the game. The same approach. Yep, you're out here to run the game, to manage the game. You know, I, I I catch myself sometimes, you know, especially in transition and fast break, just making sure that like, hey, I can still, you know, I can still keep up or I'm even faster <laughs> yeah. than some of you. Like I still, you know, like I'm an athlete. I should be able to still keep up and do the things that I need to do to be in the right positions and, you know, to make the correct calls and stuff like that. So like you said, absolutely. Same approach. Same mentality of being competitive and wanting to, um, you know, manage and and, um, take care of business on the floor. Absolutely. So you were a player at the highest level of the sport. I mean, if you play in the WNBA, you're one of the top couple hundred players on earth. So how has that helped transition you as a ref and in your skill set? Where do you see some of the differences that it's given you an advantage? Um, of course, uh, just my confidence, um, as well, um, as, you know, just knowing the game, um, I find myself, you know, as an official now that I've, you know, I've had, what, this is going on my 12th, um, season as an, as an official, I find myself, um, you know, just reading the plays, kind of like knowing what players can, can play through and what they can, of course, we're, you know, we're going to enforce the rules the way that they're written, but um, just, I don't know, like just correlating, you know, as a player, as a former player, and then seeing it from an officiating side, what bumps, what, you know, different routes and different things like that, that players can play through, like seeing plays all the way through, it really helps. Just my movement on the floor, uh, people don't realize like positioning is like everything, you know, just being in the right position to make a call, to make a judgmental call um, is huge. Um, and then just, you know, being a team player, you know, we're a, we're a crew out there. So I'm as a former player, I'm used to, you know, dealing with team members and communicating and, you know, all those things that go into to being a great teammate um, out there on the floor. Uh, so just putting like putting it all together. And of course, every night, you know, we go out there. I'm always trying to work on something um, different or new to help develop my game um, because I want to be the best that I can be um, for the teams that are playing, for the fans that are out there, that the coaches, you know, that are out there. Um, and just having that effect um, on the game. And, I mean, every day, getting in the rules book, watching film, doing all, doing all the little things that can help, you know, elevate my game just as a player. You get in the gym, you're working on, you know, maybe your weaknesses or, or, or helping your strengths out. 
It's the same. It's the same mentality. Mm. It's the same thing. Love it. Reps, right? Reps on reps. Yep. Absolutely. Repetition. Getting as many games as, as you as you can get in. Seeing as many plays as you can see. It it really helps slow things down from an official's perspective. Um, the more the more experience you get, of course, but just seeing plays because you can almost see the plays occur or happen before they even occur. Yep. So you've been refereeing 12 years in the state of Michigan. Tell me about where you are with your career, which level you're at. You sound still like you have so much time left and any goals that you might still want to accomplish. Yep. So right now, um, as you stated, I work division two, II, division three, uh, some junior college, and I'd still do some high school. Um, and I did a little bit of semi-pro um, this past spring, men semi-pro. Um, you know, my goals, of course, is, is to continue to develop my game or whatnot, but um, to elevate to, to the Division One level, I would love to be a part um, of, of that arena um, because I know the play is, is on another level, which, you know, of course, makes us as officials take our game to another level. So that's just another challenge that I'm, you know, looking forward to one day having the opportunity to see and to work. Um, but um, as far as other goals, um, I'm also interested in potentially go- getting into, you know, the pro arena as far as, you know, G League, WNBA, maybe, you know, obtaining or going to some camps um, to be seen, getting that that type of training that I know will only help, you know, elevate my game and push me um, to another level. Um, but those, yeah, those are some of my goals um, that I have going on currently. Um, but just currently, as far as what I'm working on and the levels that I'm working in the conferences that I'm working, you know, as officials, um, just obtaining and being selected for probably, you know, postseason play. Um, I was actually able to work a MIAA semifinal um, playoff game last year. Um, in the previous year, I was able to work um, an NCAA first round Division Three um, game, and that was in Kentucky at Thomas More. Um, so just being, you know, in that type of atmosphere because it's it's a it's a different atmosphere. Don't get it. Don't get it confused where, you know, you have season play and then you have postseason play when, you know, everything is on the line in those type of games. So, you, you know, you definitely have to be on your A game in those type of games and atmosphere. But just looking forward, you know, to, to, to working and developing my game and just overall, you know, being a, the best official that I can be on the floor. I love that you said you're ref in men's uh, semi-pro. I think it's so important for everybody to work men's leagues, but especially for women officials to work on the men's side. It's just going to really toughen you up and, and make the transition back to the women's game, I think. you know. Oh, absolutely. Be- absolutely. You know, because, you know, just from working those, um, those semi-pro games, um, of course, you know, the pace is a little bit faster. Um, you know, you, you have above the rim play, um, the physical factor, you know, is there as well. So when it, when it transitions back to the women's game, um, the game, it just, it seems like it makes the game slower from an official's, uh, you know, from my perspective, it, sl- it slows down the game even more. Um, and that's what you want as an official. You want, you want to slow the game down. Um, but yeah, the semi-pro experience um definitely just dealing with you know the coaches dealing with the men um players you know they have a lot of questions and me being a female you know i have to have the uh, a strong you know perception i have to earn their respect but at the same time you know they need to respect me um so like i said all of that transitions over into the women's game and it absolutely it just it it definitely helps my game and makes me a better official Tell me about your relationship with players and coaches. Does the fact that you were a former WNBA player, 
you know, do they treat you any differently, whether it's good or bad? Yeah or nay, you know, because some some know me, some don't, um, you know, of my of my past or my history as far as a a, a professional player. Um, the ones that that do, I can say um, that I, you know, I do get the respect and probably get the benefit of the doubt um, if I do kick a call or whatnot. But but um, for the most part, you know, they they basically they treat me the same. You know, they have their questions. You know, and they, you know, they respect me, um, so they approach me in that manner, um, and I give it back. Um, but it's, it's always good. Uh, it's funny because a couple weeks ago, after my um, Hall of Honor induction from Michigan, uh, I ended up having University of Michigan Dearborn, and you know, you know, as we go and greet the coaches and shake their hands or whatnot, it's like I'm introducing myself. And they're like, and they're telling me congratulations, <laughs> you know, for the honor that I just received. So it's just, it, you know, it's humbling and, you know, it's appreciative. And I'm just, I'm just grateful, you know, to be a part of the game and can, you know, even share, you know, those experiences. And and some of the players actually that, that do know me, you know, they look at me and they, you know, they do come to me. They, they've asked questions before and stuff like that. So I'm, you know, more than honored to speak with them and, you know, give them advice and, and different things like that. And then I always, just like it was told to me as a player, I always try to throw that little officiating <laughs> bait out there for them to one day, you know, maybe have an inkling or, you know, want to, want to get into the profession of officiating. You know, I was just thinking, if I was a coach and not a ref, and you were you were refing the game, I probably wouldn't say anything to you. You probably wouldn't. You wouldn't. <laughs> I'd probably like she's a former WNBA player. She's an absolute expert at this. Look at how fast she is running down the sidelines. Uh, all, you know all those things. Absolutely, they work. They do work in my favor. They they do because it it, it kind of gives the the notion that okay. She must know what she's doing. She's got to know, you know, you know what she's doing and whatnot. So the expectations is there for me to, you know, already have the knowledge, already, you know, you know, know what I'm doing. So it do, it does play a part in somewhat. I think I, I believe it does. Crown Refs Podcast is brought to you by Neat Tucks, the best way to keep your shirt or uniform tucked. If you're looking for that clean, professional look on the court, there's only one way to do it. Log on to NeatTucks.com and order yours today. Neat Tucks and Crown Refs, serving the game. Exactly. So, right. <laughs> so, yeah, like you probably have the best resume heading into being a, becoming an official. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Good for you. That. You earned it though. You earned it. Yeah, yeah. No, I you know, I take it, take it all in stride and and if it if it if it continues to help me elevate and um you know be able to reach some of my goals, then, then so be it. And I think it I think it'll play its part when it's time. Absolutely. Did you play overseas at all? I did. Yep. I, I played a few different um few different countries. I played in Sweden. That was during my rookie year during the off season. Um I played in Turkey one year. Um and I played in Latvia. Um so those were those were some great experiences. Um in Sweden we actually we won we won the championship. Um and that was a team that I ended up going to. I was there for half the season. Because I actually, like, once I played my rookie season in the WNBA, I had a semester left at Michigan that I went back and finished. Um, and then that winter after Christmas, I went over to Sweden to play. Um, you probably have a statue in Sweden right now. Ah, look, I wish. <laughs> I wish. It was awesome. It was awesome, though. It was like I was the only American. Um, I don't know if it's different now. But at the time, you could only have one one American on that particular team in that league. Um, but they loved it. It was like I was the Michael Jordan over there. So it was it was awesome. They treated me great. I you know my parents were even able to come over and they stayed for a week. 
Um, it was just awesome. The girls, we got along, you know, together. It took good care of me, um, you know, and for that to be like my first, you know, international experience, um, I was I was very blessed. I was I was very honored, um, and it made me, you know, be able to not fear, you know, going to play in, in other countries or whatnot. All my experiences, I could say, overseas were were pretty successful and, and pretty good. Um, I always can I always hear different stories from other players. Um, of how things can go bad and just depending on where you are and stuff like that. But no, my, my experiences were pretty good. They were pretty good. So interesting how WNBA players have to double dip or some of them double dip from playing in the WNBA, you know, during the summer season and then going overseas during the winter. Absolutely. Yeah, it is. Um, like, you know, the pay is good. The pay for, for a, for a, you think about it, for a job playing basketball, basically in the summer. So we're talking what through what two or three months. Um the, the pay is actually pretty good because you know they house you, they give you cars to use and stuff like that. So you, you you're really not coming out of too many expenses. But then you have about another eight months where you're open. You you know you have you, you have that free time. So a lot of people take the opportunity, you know, to continue. And it's a way to develop and you know, work on your game as well as you know make income by going overseas um but a lot of players they, they some players have regular you know regular jobs a lot of players are coaches um for different programs and stuff like that so it really just depends um but you can actually go overseas uh and make just as much or way more you know um playing basketball internationally actually so to to combine both you you really you really doing well, um, but it, it doesn't beat to me. It doesn't beat being able to play um, here in America, where all your family and friends um, it can come and see and support you, um, and then you're you know you're playing against the best players in the world um, here. So can you you can't knock the WNBA for that? Absolutely. So what are some of the notable differences with the officiating in the rules and the way the game is called in FIBA? Uh, I know I will put it this way as a, as a player, as a former player um, overseas, I kind of felt that, and that could just be me, just my opinion, um, that they let, as far as contact goes, going to the back drives to the basket, especially they let a lot of that go. And I don't know if, if um, it was because, you know, you were an American player, you know, versus the foreigner or whatnot. But I felt like a lot of times, like those same calls perhaps that were occurring here in the WNBA or, you know, or America, that they weren't, you know, the same consistent calls that were um, given over you know, internationally, I feel like it was a more f like physical game. And I don't know if, 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 you know, the three point shot, <laughs> you know, everybody said internationally, you know, you gotta be a shooter. You know, they love to shoot in a three point shot that, that may indeed have something to do with it because they don't want to, you don't want to have to drive to the basket because you, you may not get the call that you were expecting, <laughs> you know, when contact occurs, um, but um, but for the most part, um, you know, there were, you know, little differences here and there. Um, I know a lot of times it was with the travel call, you know, they have that whole Euro step thing. But I found a lot of times that, you know, when you're in your triple threat, threat position and you do that, like kind of like swing through, you do that swing through, then you step off to drive to the basket. They call it that. They call that travel a lot when you're just swinging the ball. I don't know if they're, you know, got that confused with your pivot foot or move, you know, moving or not moving your foot. But that call occurred a lot over there where it probably wouldn't have, have been called here um, in the state. So you had, you know, and again, as a, as a former player, you just have to adjust. You got to you got to know what, you know, what they're going to call and what they're not going to call and just go with it. Because as a as a former player, I. I never was the type of player that argued or fussed with the coaches, never got a technical foul. 
throughout my entire career because good for I, you. Good I for you. Like, like maybe that that was meant to be. Like I was supposed to be an official. <laughs> yeah, no, I never, I never was the type to to argue with an official. Of course, if I did have a difference of opinion, I would, you know, be like, oh man, but never said nothing to the officials. They, I mean, I guess at a younger age, and my parents instilled in me, um, you know, as, as authority wise. If they're making a call, they're not going to change it if I'm griping or, you know, or complaining. So what, what what's the point? It would just be a matter of me adjusting to what they're, you know, what they're calling or what they're not calling. So that actually helped me as a player and definitely as an official. <laughs> you know, it's so counterproductive for these players and coaches to, to waste any time on the judgment or decisions of other people, in this case, the referees, because it's out of their hands. Out Focus their hands. on the things you need to do to win the game. Exactly. Exactly. I, 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 it, I don't understand it. A coach can, can harp on a play, you know, for, for I don't know how many different possessions, and it's like, coach, the play is over. The play is, is, is not going to change. How about you perhaps see how the game is, is being called and flowing and, and adjust to that. Tell your players to adjust. I don't, I don't, I, one of my biggest peeves is when, when coaches um, yell out the, the disparity in the fouls that have been called <laughs> um, instead of maybe acknowledging to their players. So if, if they're, for instance, the team that um, has been, you know, fouls been caught on them a lot versus the other team. How about you, you, you know, come up with a different game plan or talk to your players and, you know, let them know what they're perhaps doing wrong. We're, you know, we're not out there just phantom calling. Believe you me, we know that there's a disparity in, in the fouls. We're not trying to, you know, you know, inflict or, you know, have an impact on the game um, where, you know, like where we're trying to, you know, change calls or, you know, do things like that. Where it's, it's judgment. We see it, we, we call it. And if the, if the, if the files are different, you know, so be it. But I feel like that's, that's the, the coaches need to be able to adjust to what the officials are calling, because we're on our end, we're going to try to be, consistent as possible on both ends for them just adjust to it that would be my advice <laughs> my advice the next time a coach says that to you or you know the listeners coach i see the time i see the score and i see the foul count and that's the last time we're going to talk about the scoreboard do you have any other questions absolutely that's a perfect way a perfect way to address that because it's unsporting to talk about the foul count and it is. They hold it over us like it's leverage, and it really, you know, it has nothing to do with how the game is being called, really. It's Absolutely. about what the players are doing, which is forcing us to make the calls. Absolutely. So uh, you're almost questioning our integrity at that point. Well, that's how you could spin it. That's how we can spin it. Not not that we're spinning it, but, I mean, in a sense, they are. They're, they're saying that we're calling the game unfairly. or Exactly. In that we're cheating, which exactly. is the of, of that. Absolutely. That's exactly what they're trying to express. Yeah. So that's why I, I say a lot in my in some of my content is to play offense. So mm -hmm. when a coach says something like that to you, it's an opportunity for us to play offense because now we've gained the leverage because mm -hmm. they're to talk about that. They're not allowed right. to talk about the, the foul count. It's in the rule book. Exactly. So Unsporting. Exactly. So then that that allows us to play offense as long as you're able to do it effectively and in a you know real courteous professional manner. That's how you were able to maintain the leverage. Once we, if we do it with an attitude or we don't do it the right way, then the ball's back in their court. Exactly. Yeah. That's when we get get into trouble. Absolutely. So let me ask you this: What advice would you have for a young woman coming out of high school or college on why they should get into officiating? Uh, that is, it's, it's, it's a great, it's a great profession. Um, you know, a lot of my friends, a lot of my good friends, um, I've either met 
or cross paths um, just by officiating. Um, the relationships that you, you know, develop because of it. Um, and then, you know, of course, you're, you're surrounded by the sport of basketball. Um, and if it's something um, that you're passionate about um, and that you enjoy, you can definitely uh, make a career out of it. You know, there's a lot of full-time Division One officials um, that make a nice income. Um, and you have the opportunity because especially, you know, on the women's side, you know, being a female, they, I feel like they push, they push for females because they want to see more females on women's games. Um, so you, you have that going for you. If you're a former player, you have that aspect going for you. Um, and it's just like, like we said, with the mentality and it being competitive, um, you always have that challenge um, and you can set goals um, that you can put your time into and, and developing your craft. Um, and it's something that, you know, you can be passionate about and that you can enjoy doing. Like for me, it does not seem like work, although we put work into it, you know, studying, getting in a rules book, watching film, you know, different things like that. It, we do put in work and it does take time. You have to be disciplined or whatnot. Um, but man, when you're out there on the floor, you got the spotlights out there. You got teams warming up. You got the bands playing. You got the crowd cheering. It's, not, it's nothing like it. When that ball is thrown up, I feel like I'm a player again almost. <laughs> and, and to be able to continue to like have that feeling, that experience on a day-to-day -day basis, you can't beat it. You cannot beat it. You have a direct line to a lot of the females right now in in the audience that are listening. So mm -hmm. I know they're real excited to hear from you. What would you just say to to them who are who are going through some of the same processes that you did with trying to move up the officiating ladder? And that's where they're at now. Uh, my advice would be, you know, don't don't be discouraged. Um, I know, you know, trying to move up the ladder. You have to you have to go to these different camps. You have to be seen um, in order to be added to these different staffs and conferences or whatnot. Um, and that being the case, if it doesn't happen right away, um, just to not be discouraged. Um, for most, it's, it's a timing thing. Um, and a lot of times it could be other factors. It could be, you know location you know it could be your level of experience how many years you play i mean officiated um it could be uh maybe they're just not adding you know to their staff at that time it could be a lot of different factors but don't be discouraged and uh, my advice would be when you do work your games whether it's middle school whether high school whether it's college um don't take any nights off. Ref it like it's like it's your last game you're gonna ever ref. Because one, you never know, you never know who's gonna um see you. You never know who's watching. So that's one. Um, and then two, every night that you're working or every day that you're working, it gives you the opportunity to work on your craft, to work on your skills and, and to become a better official. Like I said, I, I try to to implement or work, pick out, especially if I'm doing like high school or middle school or something, pick out one thing that I just really want to focus on and get better at and focus on it for that whole game um, and, and just continue, you know, to get better. Uh, work on your weaknesses, um, get in the rule book. Uh, we, you know, as officials and as, you know, as a former player, we know what our weaknesses are. We know where, you know, where we need to improve and um, just put the time in and work on it. And you will see, you will see the levels of like your officiating skill set in games. You'll you'll see it start to climb and move up. Cause I still see it. Little do you know, is this is my 12th season. And every year it just seems like, you know, you think you're like, okay, man, I'm a better official. And you know, I should be doing this or I should be here. 
but it's like every year I, I see myself getting getting better and improving in like different areas. And I know that it's only going, you know, to help me to achieve the goals that I'm setting. Um, but yeah, just every every game, every night that you're working, you know, take care of business, be serious, you know, have fun, of course, but be serious and work it like it's your last game. And you will see, you will see how, you know, doors will start opening up and you'll be getting these different opportunities. And when you do get them, perform. That's my advice. Perform and work hard and the rest will take care of itself. Thank you for that. You're very impressive. Oh, thank you. Thanks, Paul. I appreciate it. I just, I like to have, man, I'm blessed. I'm telling you. Glory be to God. I've, I've, I've been blessed with the skills as a, you know, as a player, you know, and as, as an official now, like I don't take, I don't take it for granted that I'm able to get up and run up and down the floor and be a part of, you know, be a part of the game. I, I definitely do not take it for granted. There's people that would love to be able to do on any level. So I'm very, very grateful to the game. It has afforded me a lot of opportunities and a lot of experiences. Thanks for listening. Please go share this with a fellow official. Make sure you subscribe, and it would also mean the world to me if you left a review on Apple Podcast. Have a great day. Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. 